God bless you today. You may be seated. I'm going to ask you today to take your Bibles and go to the book of Habakkuk, the second chapter. Now, that's an Old Testament book, so just go to Matthew and start going left. All right? The book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, and as you're doing that, let me greet our campuses today that are joining with us, and we're glad you're with us today, and we're praying that God has already been ministering to you in your life there, and I'm believing today that as I preach the Word of God here, that your life is going to be touched and you're going to be changed. So let's get ready to go to the Word of God together to see what God has for each and every one of us. The book of Habakkuk, the second chapter. Now, here's, here's what we're going to be doing the next several weeks. I'm going to be talking to you on this aspect of 2020 vision. Now, that's the series title that we're going to be talking about. And let me just kind of set up how this came about. Um, as we were kind of beginning to move toward this year and we were looking at what uh, we believe that God was going to be doing for us, uh, I began to seek the Lord, saying, Lord, what is it that you want us to look forward to? It's been, it's been great, it's been wonderful, but what is the future for the ministry? What is the future for each local church? And um, I, how many of you have ever prayed prayers and nothing happened? Am I the only one? I mean, I was, I was praying, and I was praying, and I was praying, and I'm, I'm telling you, uh, the prophet said it this way in the Old Testament. He said, the heavens were as brass. I mean, there was nothing coming down. It was just kind of like, okay, yes, Lord, I'm waiting. And, and I kind of felt like my prayers were just dribbling off my chin. It was just, you know, pretty rough. And and, and so uh, Sherry and I went to, to Africa this past year, and, and we were there, I think, about June, and, and we, were, we had done our pastor's conference and, and all the things that we do when we go there. And we had, we had gone back to Nairobi to get ready to fly out the next, next night. And uh, I was sitting in a restaurant of all places, and um, kind of on the outside in, in the busy city of Nairobi. And I was sitting there, and it was their Independence Day in Kenya. And as I was sitting there, the president was giving a speech. Now, I have no clue what the president said. I, I wasn't paying that much attention. I could hear him on the television behind me. But it was as in he said something. There was something that sparked uh, something inside of me. And it was like within 10 minutes' time, God downloaded to me the next 10 years of ministry. And, and so over the next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you what that's going to look like and what we're going to be believing is our 2020 vision, that by the end of the year 2020, what Love and Truth churches are going to look like, what's going to be happening, and how it's going to take place. But to do that, we have to have a biblical foundation. So the book of Habakkuk, the second chapter, uh, beginning in verse number 2 today and reading a couple of verses to you, says this. Uh, verse 2 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. Now watch this. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about our process. What is the process of vision? How does vision come about? How is it lived out? And I want to tell you, in each and every one of our lives, we've got to have vision. Your, your family needs a vision. Your business needs a vision. Your walk with God needs a vision. A vision is not just for somebody who's pastoring a church. A vision is not just for a CEO of a corporation. A vision is for every one of us who live life. Helen Keller said this. She said, it is a terrible thing to see and have no vision. 
I thought, you know what, that's really a lot of people I know. They can see, but there's no vision in their life. And so today I want to give you some steps in how you go about laying out a vision for your life. How do you go about doing that? Uh, the first part of that scripture that I read to you said to write the vision. Now here's step number one, synthesize your ideas. You, you've got to bring them together. I, I thought it was interesting as, as we prepared for this. Um, th this, this is the, and that's got stuff all over the back and all over the front and the side and whatever. Uh, but, but this is what I wrote down in the year 2000 for the beginning of Love and Truth Church Jackson. I was in a hotel. I was at a meeting on church planting, but I wasn't going because I wanted to plant a church. I had taken a couple of young men, and they wanted to plant churches, and I just went. And in the middle of the night, in fact, about midnight that night, God began to speak with me. And, and here, here was kind of the deal. Uh, the, the seminar that I had been in that day, the guy had given us a piece of paper, and here's what that piece of paper said. It said, if you knew you could not possibly fail, and if you knew you would never lack the resources, if you knew God would have his way, what would your new church look like five years from now? And when, when I kind of laid that aside, but God began to talk to me about midnight and in the year 2000 in a hotel in Chicago. And I took and I wrote down what my church would look like. It would be a multiracial church of at least 500 with at least, and, and, and I'm not going to read it all, but I wrote down what it was. I had to get it out of my head and get it down on paper. The, the Word of God lets us know that if you want to have a true vision for your life is that you have to synthesize your ideas. You, you've got to get them down. Vision starts in the heart of those who are dissatisfied with the status quo. Can I say that again? Vision starts in the heart of those who are dissatisfied with the status quo. Are you happy with your marriage or would you like it to be better? Are you happy with your finances or would you like to see them a little bit better? Are you happy with your walk with God or do you think there's room for improvement? As long as you're just happy with everything the way it is, you will never, ever get a vision to change it. We, we like comfort, don't we? Sherry mentioned earlier uh, about us being comfortable after pastoring the same church for uh, 17, 18 years and taking it from about 30 people to over 500 people. It was comfortable where we were. But God has a way of stirring our nest. He, he has a way of coming along and saying, okay, I've got more for you. And, and so when you begin to see this, what happens is, is that every vision begins as a burden. It begins, somebody feels a burden. Somebody begins, somebody looks and says, uh, you, you know what? I, I think that, that everybody needs to be able uh, to have an iPad. Now, that's a burden. It's, it's not a, it, you know what? I lived life for 51 years without an iPad. And then a little bit over a year ago, they made me get one. They said, Pastor, you've got to have one. It's going to help you in all this. And now I don't want to live without one. But somebody had a vision, or somebody said, this, probably Steve Jobs, somebody had a vision to make something a little bit differently. And so when, when you begin to synthesize the vision, what you have to do is list what's going to be first and what's going to be second, what's going to be third, and you begin to bring that down. I wonder, of all the people that we've done counseling with uh, over the history of the ministry that I've been in, and I've been in ministry now for over 30 years, I wonder how many of them whose marriages were in trouble had ever sat down and written out a plan for their marriage. 
whose kids were messed up and on drugs, who had ever taken, I mean, come on, think about this. If you're going to go in business, you need a business plan. I want to tell you, your family is worth more than your business. Amen? What, what would happen today if everybody in here would go home and over the next week you would write out a plan for your family? You would say, these are the things that we want to happen. Our communication level's messed up, so we want to start working on our communication. Our, our finances are in a mess, so we want to start working on a budget. And, and you begin to lay out what you want it to be. I mean, why is it that, that these things, we want God to do everything. Lord, if I just pray enough, you'll take care of it. And God just looks down and says, there are some things I am not going to do. Amen. You say, oh, God does everything. No, he doesn't. You had to get up and get dressed today. He, he doesn't send angels into your bedroom and say, comest thou here. I will dress you today. I will wash your face. I will get you. No, you've got to do some things. And it's the same way in our life that we have to come to that place. And, and here's the deal. I want to ask you a question. If opportunity knocks, are you ready to answer the door? If you haven't got a vision and if you haven't written some things down, you are never, ever going to be ready to move in to what God has for you. The, the next part of that verse says, make it plain. I love that. I, I'm, I'm just a plain-spoken kind of guy. You know what? You never have to leave a service wondering what I thought. Right? You, you never walk in here and say, I wonder what he really meant. I mean, I, I'm just the kind who I'm going to make it plain. So step number two is this, is that you've got to take it from a dream to a vision. And I'll explain what I mean by that. You've got to take it from a dream to a vision. I want to tell you something about dreamers. Dreamers are a dime a dozen. The difference between a dreamer and a visionary is that a visionary has a date. Now, what I mean by that is a visionary says, this is when it's going to start. This is when it's going to happen. This is when it's going to take place. Dreamers are, well, you know, one of these days. I mean, come on. Most of us dream about losing weight. Right? But most of us don't lose weight. I mean, we, we look in the mirror and go, I hate the way I look, but not enough to give up chocolate pie. I don't like, you know, I mean, we, we, why? Because it's just a dream. Dreamers dream about things being different, and that's great. But visionaries envision themselves making a difference. It's, it's, all, it's, it's, it's that whole thing. Visionaries say, you know what, I can do something. Now, I want to tell you, you have the ability to do something. You have the, the ability to make a difference in someone else's life, in a situation that you are involved in. God did not create you and place you upon this earth so that you could just take up space and one day die. God gave you the ability to make a difference. And what we've all got to find out is what is it that I am supposed to do in this thing and in this journey called life? How do I go about making a difference? It may be in my family. It may be in the business world. It may be in the things of God. But whatever it is, I have got to come to that place where I am willing to live out my life with a purpose that is bigger than just me. I've told this before, but this, this is the mentality of a lot of churches. 
I read in Leadership Magazine a few years back that there was a church out west somewhere. And I think it was Colorado. But anyway, it was, it was out in the west part of the, of the country. And, and the, the, the sign uh, of the article said, uh, church not accepting members. And I thought, church not accepting member. How stupid is that? See, again, I'm kind of plain. Right? I, th- I thought, this, this doesn't make any, why would you not accept members? And then I read the article, and the article said that there were four members still left. Four, count them. And they were not accepting any new members because they had a cemetery at the back of the church. And there were four plots. You got it. Still available. And I thought, wow, what a vision for the kingdom of God. I mean, doesn't that just excite you? I mean, does that not just make, wow, I'm, I'm ready. I believe Jesus Christ came and gave his life so that we could be buried out back behind the church. I mean, that just galvanizes you, doesn't it? And, and when, when you begin to understand that a vision is not about the status quo, a vision is not about just something that you want or something you desire, that a vision is bigger. But if you really want to get to that place where you're living out of your vision, what you have to find is, is that you have to find that way of taking the dream and making it a vision. How do I get that out of the, the thinking stage and how do I release it into where it becomes more of that? And, and the way that you do that is that you make it a part of you. All right, it's, it's just, it's a part of who you are day in and day out. You, 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 listen, there are some people that if you get around them within five minutes, you know what their vision is. Well, I, let me back up. I think everybody that you get around in five minutes, you usually know what their vision is. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of that which is inside of us, it comes out. And, and it's interesting how many people are, are so caught up in insignificant things. And yet, God's called us to make a difference. And so what's got to happen is it's got to go from my head to my heart. It's, it's got to move. It's, it's, there's there's got to be some things here uh, that begins to happen. So the, the Bible says make it plain. Get it from that point that you are able to articulate it. If somebody were to come up to you today and say, hey, I want to know what is the vision that you have for your life, for your business, for your walk with God, are you able to tell them? Because if you are not able to tell them, all it is is a dream. It is not a vision. Because a vision can be articulated. A vision has been made plain. The third thing goes on to say, step three, uh, he says that he may run uh, who reads it. I I love that. In other words, vision is action. Vision uh, involves moving. Vision involves going somewhere. So the third aspect of a vision is that you have to impart it to others. All right? what, What the Scripture is saying there, write it down so that it can be imparted to other people that as they're running about in life and they're going about uh, doing their life, that they are able to see what it is that you have as a vision in your life. Now, here's something I want to share with you. People buy into you first before they buy into your vision. All right? If your family members don't trust you, they're not going to buy into anything you say. If, if your coworkers think that you're a little shady and a little shifty, they're not going to buy in to any grand dream you have. 
See, I've, I've been in, involved in church work a long time and, and grew up in a pastor's home and a missionary's home. And, and, and what I've watched through the years is, is that I've watched in churches how often pastors overpromise and underdeliver. Right? I mean, they'll, they'll go to a seminar or they'll go to a conference or they'll go somewhere and get some great idea and they'll come back and they'll say things such as, by next year we're going to double the church, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And in about three weeks they forgot. But the people didn't forget. And all of a sudden, that people will get excited about the first two or three times you do that. But then about the fourth or the fifth time, they go, same song, fifth verse. We've heard this before. See, in your life, it's a lot better for you not to say as much and over-deliver than it is for you to always be talking about all the things you're going to do. Why? Because people have to buy into you, and then they will buy into your vision. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to show others what the problem is, but not just what the problem. You know, it's easy to spot the problem, isn't it? How many of you know America's in a mess? Easy to spot. But, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for somebody who will show up with a solution. I'm waiting for somebody. Listen, if they'll show up with a good plan, we'll charge hell with water pistols. But they've got to get a plan. They've got to get something down. It's got to be somebody that I can believe that's going to take us somewhere and do something. The, the Bible lets us know that in this process that what you've got to do is that you've got to make it plain so that he who runs may read it. The, the people that you impart it to, the people that you give it to. I heard years ago in, in class and in, in college, uh, some, one of the teachers said, um, if, if it's misty in the, in the pulpit, it's a fog in the pews. And, and here's what I found out about vision through the years. About the time I get sick of casting it is about the time the church gets it. Doesn't mean you're slow. I don't mean that at all. Some of you are getting a little upset at me. I just mean that, that you have to recast vision time and time and time. I mean, th think about in your family. Maybe, maybe you decided, maybe you went through Dave Ramsey's financial piece, which you ought to if you haven't. And, and Ramsey tells you you need to do a budget. And it sounds good when Dave's talking about it on the screen. And so you go home all stoked, we're going to do a budget. And so you sit down and you list all the things and all the stuff and you do this budget and you find out you've got less money than you thought you had and more outgo than you thought you had and all this stuff. But you finally get it down and for the first week it's exciting. And we're living by a budget. We're going to have money. We're, we're going to do this thing. It's great. It's wonderful. And see, you, you've synthesized it. You've written it down. You've got it in front of you until you walk into that store. And today only, there is an additional 50% off. Come on. You, you know what it's like. And you come back home talking about, look how much money I saved. And whoever the other one is goes, but it's not in the budget. Yeah, but it was so good. It was so, I couldn't pass it up. Why? Because the vision's not plain enough yet.
It hasn't become a part of you. It hasn't become something that's down inside of you yet. Because once it does, even if it's 75% off, you can walk right by it if you don't have the money to purchase it. All right? Step four. Scripture goes on to say, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. The, the fourth thing you've got to do, and, and I'm talking in, in the sense now of, of Christians, is that you have to understand God's timing. You have to understand God's timing. And, and I will use a personal illustration for this because uh, I know me better than I know you, but it's, it's one that I saw years ago. Um, I was in a, a meeting years ago in Kansas City uh, with my mentor, Pastor Hardwick from, from Nashville and, and a couple other friends of mine. And we were sitting there, and it was John Maxwell and Bill Hybels. And, and I was sitting there minding my own business. I was taking notes, and I, I really wasn't, I, I wasn't thinking about church growth. This was not a church growth seminar. It was, I really don't even remember what it was on. And I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, and I didn't hear an audible voice, and I'm not one of these guys who, you know, hears everything all the time. But I heard the Lord speak to me and say, you will pastor 3,000. And I, I, I wrote it down because it was so significant, and I went, well, okay. What, what you have to understand is, is that when I received that, I was pastoring in a town that had 1,500 people. And we were already at four or 500, and I thought that was pretty good for a town of 1,500. And, and, and so what I did was is I took that word, and I went home, and I killed everybody with that word. Well, you said, what do you mean? I said, man, we're going to reach 3,000. We're going to, we're, and, and I drove them as hard as I could. And yet, that vision was not for that house. That vision was for me, but not for that house. And so I had to learn that there was timing with God. And in our lives, you may have this vision, you may have this idea, you may have something that you feel like God is working in your life with, but you always have to understand that there is a process that you have to go through. Here's what I found through the years, is that God is more interested in the person than he is in the fulfillment of the vision. And you know what I found out is I found out, you remember that little song that they sang, I don't know, back in the 80s, I guess, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars. Anybody remember that little Sunday school song? And you know what? There, there are times God will speak to you and say, I'm going to do this in your life, and you have this vision for it, but it's not the time. It is not the time that God is calling you. And so preparation time uh, is equal to the magnitude of the vision. Can I say that again? Because I want you to get it. Preparation time is equal to the magnitude of the vision. If God has given you a small vision, preparation time will be very, very small. But if God has given you a great vision for your life, for your family, for your future, whatever it is, for your business, then that preparation time, it's, it's that hidden away time. It's that David on the backside of nowhere time. It's that David in the cave of Adullam uh, with, with 300 mighty men who are, you know, bankrupt and broke and desperate and all the stuff. That's what it is until God says, now it's time to bring you forth. And in one moment, you can go from being out in the desert to being the king of Israel, but there's a long preparation time before you get there. And, and so we've got to do that. God is always at work behind the scenes. He, he's always doing things, and we don't get it. We don't realize it, and, and we miss it. The last part of this scripture uh, says, and at the end, it will speak and not lie. 
Step number five is this, is that the vision vindicates itself. Now, what do I mean by that? Divinely ordained visions are in some way tied to God's master plan. And so if they're tied to God's master plan, God is going to bring it about if you will cooperate with his process. And so as we look at what God's plans are and what our visions are, sometimes we get confused. Because God's plans seemingly sometimes move at a much slower rate than our vision does. Anybody ever get a little frustrated at times with how fast God moves? Let me ask this question. How many of you in your life, you have had a prayer that like at, you know, at midnight on such and such a day, you have, we we're going to have to have this happen, and at 11.59, God sent an answer. Anybody ever been there? Come on, am I the only one? I mean, I've been there on so many times. I mean, I'm like hanging out going, Okay, I guess we're going to really blow this one. Th this one's going to be over. And, and like one minute before it all falls apart, God shows up. And, and I, after I rejoice for a few minutes, I always tell God, could you have not done this yesterday? I mean, come on, really, God? You knew you were going to do it. Why didn't you just do it yesterday? The reason is, is because the process is what builds us. It's going through the tough. Listen, the, the good times don't teach you very much. The good times really don't. It's the tough times. It's those times when your marriage is kind of strained. And if you're sitting here looking at me, telling me your marriage never been strained, I'm going to smack you. It's in those moments that you begin to work through it and your marriage begins to be built and it becomes better. It's in those moments when you're, you're going through that time in your life and it seems like, heaven, again, heavens are as brass and you're going, God, come on, can you do something? It's in those moments. The Bible says it this way. The Apostle Paul said, he said that I might know him in the fellowship of his suffering and in the power of his resurrection. Now, we love that power of his resurrection. But he said also in the fellowship of his suffering because it's in those moments. And I, listen, I'm the last guy that likes tribulation. But there are those moments where you go through the crucible of life where you learn what it is that makes you a better person, that refines the vision, that gets you to the point that you're able to say, you know what, I don't care what's going on, what's happening around me. I know that I know God has spoken. See, you've got to stay vision focused. I want to tell you, this little piece of paper, that stays underneath the glass on my desk. And I don't read it every day. I probably don't read it every month. But every time I look at it, I know what it is. And it has kept me focused for 10 years of this church. And there have been those moments where I want to tell you, if I had done what I wanted to do, I'd have said, see you later. I'm out of here. Because there are those moments as a pastor and there are those moments as people of God where we go through those times where it's just tough. And yet, if we can understand the process of vision, if we can understand how to take the vision, write the vision, make it plain, that he may run who reads it. And, and, and as we begin to do those things, then we can begin to live life not in a reactionary mode. There are so many Christians who live life out of reaction. 
I found out that when I react, it means someone or something else is controlling me. And I've just decided I don't want to be a reactionary. I don't want to be a person who's always just reacting to the situation. I want to be a person who is moving forward, who has a plan, who has a vision, who says, God, I know that I know that you've called me to do something. And I want to tell you something today. In every one of our lives, whether you're here or you're in one of the campuses today, in every one of our lives, we have been given a mandate from God. The person sitting to the right of you or to the left of you, their vision is probably different. But God's given every one of us a vision. And what we've got to do is we've got to come to that place where we say, you know what, I refuse to settle for the status quo any longer. I refuse to settle for a messed up marriage. I refuse to settle for kids who don't respect and honor God. I refuse to settle for a life that's just barely getting by. I refuse to settle for a life that just plays church on Sunday. I'm going to have a vision for my life and for my future. And as you begin to do that, you begin to see God's hand upon your life. And what I think has been one of the key ingredients, I looked it up this morning before service on my iPad that I didn't need. And I found out that one out of two church plants fail. That the mortality rate of new churches is 50%. And for us to be here 10 years later, and in that 10 years to have been able to plant three other churches and to see other people come into fellowship with us uh, during that time, is not the norm, but it's what God has called us to do. And so I don't know what you're believing God for for the next 10 years, but I'm going to tell you, the things that I'm believing God for that I'm going to share in just a moment with you are so much bigger than what we've seen in the past 20 years of this ministry. And I am believing that the next 10 years are going to be the most exciting 10 years that we have ever experienced as a church, as a ministry, and as individuals together. And so I want you to get ready to receive what the 2020 vision is for Love and Truth Ministries. Our vision is for Love and Truth Church to make a significant difference by changing lives to change our world. To accomplish our mission, our dreams are 10 churches planted. Our desire is to raise up churches in the surrounding areas of present Love and Truth Churches. The purpose is to provide life-changing congregations that are impacting people's lives. This will be done by equipping church planting teams to begin new churches. 100 ministers ordained. Our hope is to equip and train at least 100 people who are called into the five-fold ministry. This will be done in a multitude of ways, but primarily through Love and Truth University, which is a program that will give people both knowledge and experience for placement in kingdom ministry. 1,000 people sent. Our goal is to be witnesses in the whole world. And to do that, we want to see at least 1,000 people go on short-term missionary trips. We also desire to send full-time missionaries to Belize, as well as other parts of the world. Thousands trained and activated. Our plan is to equip thousands of believers in Love and Truth churches throughout our growth track. They will be given the tools to become everything God wants them to be. 
We strongly believe that all Christians are to be actively serving in the kingdom of God. 10,000 lost saved. Our belief is that people who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior are lost. Our mandate is to proclaim salvation to those who do not have a relationship with Him and to give them the opportunity to change the direction of their lives. 100,000 hear gospel. Our passion is to make Jesus known to as many people as possible. To do that, we want to use every means possible, print, radio, TV, internet, international crusades, and etc., so that people near and far can know about Jesus Christ and we can plant seeds in their lives for salvation. Millions of dollars released. Our purpose is to redeem the time for the days are evil. Knowing that biblically and understanding that time is money, we want to release millions into the kingdom so that lives around the world can be redeemed. 